My college roommate told the story that his family said was a true story. It happened about 100 years ago, and his grandfather at that time was fined $20 for giving another man a black eye in a fight. His grandfather handed the judge $40, and the judge said, no, this is too much, but his grandfather said, no, it's right, 20 for the first time and 20 for this time, and then he gave the same guy a second black eye. Now, there's a man who seems to be on top of his finances, but seems to struggle with self-control when it comes to anger. And today we're finishing our Cultivate series by looking at self-control. It's the last quality listed that God wants to produce in our lives through his Holy Spirit. We've been walking through the nine character qualities that the Bible refers to as the fruit of the Spirit. Look at the passage from Galatians again, from Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And as we draw this series to an end, I want you to notice that there's kind of a progression to the qualities mentioned in these verses. The first ones are easier for people to embrace. We love talking about love and joy and peace. We all tend to agree that we would benefit from more love and more joy and more peace and that we all tend to think that life would be better if these qualities were more common in our personal life and in our society. And so people feel good when we talk about love and when we talk about joy and peace. But then we get into some others, things like patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. And if we're honest, these are qualities we're less excited about because these qualities are pretty much about our relationships and they seem like a lot of hard work for us. Patience is hard work when your spouse is super annoying and seems more so during this long season at home. Not, not that mine has been, I would never say that. Gentleness is hard when you're repeating the same thing to your child that you have explained five times before in the last 30 minutes. Faithfulness is hard when everyone else seems to be breaking their promises and their commitments. So the list seems to uh, have a progression, and it ends with self-control, which we kind of hate. But since it's a quality that God wants to produce in our lives, let's talk about it anyway. There are a few issues here that we need to clarify First, let's clarify the difference between self-discipline and self-control. 
It may seem like a small uh, distinction to you, but there is a difference between what we call self-discipline and what God calls self-control. Self-discipline is a good thing, and it seems to me that it's often motivated by our desire to achieve a goal. People use self-discipline to train for a race or to lose some weight or to finish a degree or to get up early enough to work out. Self-discipline has been hard the last few months because it usually involves our routines and our routines have been messed up. I know that that has been the case for me. I was working out and working on my health and I was working with a personal trainer and trying to eat right and then COVID-19 happened and if I'm not careful, I'll be carrying 19 extra pounds because of COVID-19. So self-discipline is usually about trying to achieve a goal, and anyone can do that. It is just an act of the will. But self-control is different. Self-control is motivated by my love for the Lord. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit living in us. It is tied with all of the other qualities that we have been talking about in this series. When love or joy or faithfulness wins victories in our lives, it shows up in the area of self-control. And you say, Pastor Steve, that seems like a pretty fine line. And it is. It is possible for the godly quality of self-control to work in your life as you use self-discipline to achieve goals that help you in your life. But as a wise person said to me once, self-discipline without self-control is self-serving and performance-oriented. Self-discipline without self-control is self-serving and performance-oriented. Self-control can be present in my life even if I don't achieve my exercise goals or my weight loss goals or my career goals because self-control is about me living for Jesus. It's about me submitting to him. But self-discipline alone can be very frustrating. It can be very frustrating because it's often me just white-knuckling a situation, trying to be strong enough or consistent enough or to work hard enough to achieve my own self-serving goals. And the truth is, some of you have been attempting your spiritual life with self-discipline rather than self-control. You've been trying to do all of the right things in all of the right time frames, and you've been trying to do it all on your own without God's help. And that brings us to the next part of this that I want to talk about. Let's clarify the difference between the Holy Spirit's role and my role. And this might be a little confusing, and uh, it might seem a little contradictory in this passage. Verse 22 says, the Holy Spirit produces this fruit in my life. The Holy Spirit produces these fruit in my life. But then the last fruit on the list is self-control, which seems like it means that I have to do something here. The Holy Spirit produces this in my life, but 
self-control sounds like there's something that I need to do. So which is it? I mean, do I sit around and wait for the Holy Spirit to produce self-control in my life? And until he does, I can blame it on him when I explode with ungodly anger or when I give in to sin uh, and gossip with someone or when I give in to lust or greed or overeating. I mean, if the Holy Spirit is supposed to produce self-control in my life, then until he gives me self-control, it would be his fault if I show a lack of control, right? Well, not exactly. Look at what Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1. He says this, Jesus has the power of God by which he has given us everything we need to live and serve God. We have these things because we know him. Jesus called us by his glory and goodness. When I became a Christian, this says, Jesus gave me absolutely everything I needed to live and to serve God. I already have everything I need to live for Jesus. That's what the passage says. And the problem is, I need to put that to use in my life and begin to let these things really become prevalent or primary in my life. I need these to become a part of my lifestyle. Years ago when we lived in California, uh, we had roses planted at our house there. And the roses would bloom every year, but honestly, the rose bushes and the roses looked pretty bad. One day, we went to visit our friend Eula. And Eula had the most beautiful garden of anyone that I knew. She was a master gardener, and as we walked around her small yard, I noticed how good her roses looked. And I said, Eula, I want my roses to look this good. And she said, well, they can, and it's really not that hard. And so in February, Eula came over to our house, and she said, Steve, here in California, every February, you should trim your roses like this. And she proceeded to trim my roses. She cut off all of the flowers and the leaves, and she left me with about 18-inch sticks. There were just a few 18-inch sticks left for each uh, rose bush. It was ugly. Those bushes were ugly until they weren't. They became beautiful rose bushes, producing beautiful roses. And every year after that, I had the most beautiful roses because I did what Eula told me, and I let my rose bushes produce flowers the way that they were meant to produce flowers. Friends, the Holy Spirit is ready to produce beautiful things in our lives, and he will if we will learn to let him lead us and let him prune off the areas of our lives that get in the way of what he's trying to grow in our lives. So what's our role in this? Well, look at the passage again and from Galatians 5, and this time let's read a few verses further. Here's what it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Verse 24 says that when we belong to Jesus, we have nailed our sinful passions, our sinful desires, our sinful nature to Jesus' cross, and we've crucified them there. We've crucified our sinful desires and our passions there. So part of my role is to continually keep trying to die to my sinful nature. And that's a daily task. It's a daily task to keep saying, Jesus, when I was baptized, I promised that I would live full force for you. And so help me to die to who I used to be so that I can live full force for you. But I really think verse 25 is key. Since we are living by the Spirit, we need to follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. This means in all nine areas, not all nine of these qualities that we've talked about, we need to follow the Spirit's leading. We need to walk step by step forward into the life that He wants to produce in us. My job is simply to follow Him fully. And it might help us to understand this just a little better if we understood what self-control really is. The Greek word for self-control or temperance is pretty interesting here. It comes from two parts in Greek, and which means a fixed position or a place or in place, and kratos, which means power or strength. So self-control means the strength to stay in place, the strength to stay in place. And that makes sense because when we lose control, we tend to get out of place in our lives. When I get out of the normal and safe places on the internet and stumble into one of those porn sites, I might lose self-control because I'm out of place. And if you lose your temper and explode with anger, you might have let your emotions go to the wrong place. Self-control is me learning to follow the leading of God's Spirit so closely that I never wander to the wrong place spiritually. It is the strength to stay in place. Now, we're almost done here, but there's a part of Galatians 5, and 23, that we have read every week during this series, but have not commented on. Right after listing all nine of the qualities God wants to produce in us, it says this, there is no law against these things. There's no law against these things. What does that mean? It means no one is going to ever ask you to stop practicing these things. I'm never disappointed when people around me have these character qualities, when people show love and joy and peace. I like that. And when they live their lives with patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, it, it makes my life easier. 
and when they show self-control towards me, when I let anger get the best of me, or when I'm careless or insensitive to them, it keeps the situation from becoming worse. There's no law against people using these qualities in their lives. So it's only when we're dealing with ourselves that anyone has a problem with these. When I begin to do the work to let God's Spirit help me use the strength in my life uh, in the right place, to be self-controlled by living a lifestyle of love and kindness and joy and peace, to keep myself in place where uh, my life is marked by patience and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness. At that point, part of me wants to rebel, to say, you know what, I'm fine the way I am. I'm far better with these qualities than many other people. And when I begin to think that, then I begin to think that I can coast for a while. And friends, when I coast spiritually, I give God's Holy Spirit less access to my life. I have to. I have to because in order to coast, I have to ignore his quiet prodding for me to grow and to change. I have to resist his attempts to produce more of these qualities in my life or to deepen them. And so when I coast, I become less loving and less joyful, less peaceful and patient. Pretty soon, I'm far less good and kind, and I fail to be faithful and gentle, and then my life is totally out of control as I move quickly away from Jesus. And it's so unnecessary. It's so dangerous to my spiritual life because God wants to produce these things in me, and when I let him, it keeps me in the right place, moving in the right direction. When I let him produce these qualities in me, I, I can't help it. I become more and more like Jesus. My life gets better. My relationships get better. And I please God with my life. So today, the decision is pretty simple. Am I going to coast or am I going to surrender? Coasting means I move further and further away from God and I move more and more out of control in my life. Surrender is where I simply say to God, you want to cultivate these qualities in my life and I'm going to let you do that. I'm going to do my part to keep living by the Spirit and I'm going to do my part using your strength every day to stay in the right place, following the Spirit's leading in every area of my life. I truly pray that each one of us will choose to surrender today. Let me pray for you and for all of us as we decide.